So this morning I thought I will share on the topic of teaching limits and responsibility to our children. Teaching limits and responsibility. Though we are looking at this as a parenting topic, but I just want you to know that the principles that what is being taught from this is applicable for everybody. No matter how young you are, how old you are, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a parent, a grandparent, an uncle, aunt, nephew, niece, everybody, the principles are applicable. So keep your ears open as we learn about how do we teach our children to set boundaries and it may trigger some things within you to say, what boundaries do I need to draw? And as I teach on this parenting, I also want to give a disclaimer. We are not perfect parents. We are not a perfect family. Now, just because I teach on parenting, don't ex exceed your expectation from Irene and Ezekiel. They come under pressure and stress as a result of it. One of the worst things for pastors and preachers is the expectation from the congregation. And that brings stress on the children. So please, we are not perfect. We are learning what I read. I put it together. Rupa and me try to practice it. Sometimes we are successful. Sometimes we fail. We learn and we go on. Okay? We didn't have any manual saying parenting manual when our children were born. So we have to manage with what we learn. Now just imagine a scenario about yourself. Six in the morning, your loud alarm goes bang. Here goes the alarm. And as you wake up, you don't feel like getting out of bed. You snooze the alarm a few times. How many of us do that? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> you snooze your alarm a few times, and then suddenly you remember your day's tight schedule at office. And you're, you just jump out of bed thinking of the schedule, and you're hurriedly getting ready. As you're getting ready to leave to office because you have so many things to do, your wife comes by and says, Darling, our son has forgotten to take his lunchbox. Could you just drop it off on the way to the school? And you feel like, I have so many things, don't you understand? You feel like telling her, why don't you take it and go? But you're saying, poor little wife, it's okay, and you will take it. So you're taking the tiffin box and going, you're rushing through the traffic, and then as you're dropping off the lunchbox at the gate, your phone rings. And as your phone rings, your schedule and the presentation that you have to do at office is still running in your mind. As it's running in your mind, you pick up the phone and guess who it is? It's your mom. And she reminds you what a lovely son you are. And then she tells you, I'm running out of grocery. Could you just drop it off this morning? And you hate to say no because she's living a lonely life. So what do you do? You go ahead, pick up some groceries, and you say, you'll quickly drop it off. A little bit detour won't really matter. You go drop off the grocery. As you enter in, here she is, a lovely mother, keeping a cup of tea for you and saying, drink and go. You say, not bad, just five minutes, let me drink. As you're drinking, the mother starts telling you the story about what happened with your brother. And your five minutes plan becomes 20 minutes, and here you are squirming and wanting to rush. Somehow you manage to kiss a goodbye, and then you rush off to office just to enter into the meeting when you're already late by a few minutes, and you're not yet prepared for your presentation, and you apologize, and you go sit there. And you sit there, and you're waiting for your turn to come. A colleague comes, taps on you, and says, your presentation is last. Can you just come help me with five minutes? And you're telling yourself, oh, not bad, five minutes, I'll just go help and come. And you come back. And after that, you somehow manage to finish the presentation. It's not as good as you want it to be, but you're feeling relieved that your presentation is over, but you're already thinking of your next presentation. Now, let's call this guy as Max. 
Some of you are smiling. Looks like it's a very familiar thing for you. Let's call this Max. What's the problem with Max? What's the problem with Max? Problem with Max is he has not learned to say no. Everybody he wants to please, everybody he wants to keep them in good stead, and everyone he wants to do what others want to do. So who's running his life? Everyone else. He is not in control of his own life. And his ability to say no is not something that has started when Max became old and got a job. His ability to say no developed when he was a child. Because as parents, we fail to teach our children to learn to say no when they ought to say no and say yes when they ought to say yes. Instead, what do we teach them? We teach them to say yes when they really mean no just because we are part of a society, we put them under pressure, we bring them into this culture, don't we? And this is what happens when they grow up, they fail to keep boundaries for themselves. And as a result of it, they don't know where their responsibility stops and where someone else's responsibility starts. And as we grow, we begin to live life as if, you know, the others are running our life. Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 37, but let your S be S and your no be no. <laughs> Jesus was very clear. Don't, don't have to do anything else. Let your S be S and your no be no. And hence, I thought of this topic of teaching limits and responsibilities to our children so that they can grow up with the ability to say no and learn to move in the direction that God has called them instead of letting others run their lives and pleasing the others that go on. And more than ever, I think many of us are, as adults sitting here may need to learn in your adulthood to learn to say no. Because we also tend to keep passing on saying, you know, please my mother, please my mother-in-law, please my boss, please my relatives. Ask yourself this question. How often have you not said yes when heart of heart, all you wanted to say was no? It could be to your relative. It could be to your boss. It could be to your mother-in-law. It could be to your wife or your spouse, you know, your husband or wife. And it could be to your children. That we do. Just ask yourself a question. And, and when the inability to say no increases stress in our lives. Because we are constantly doing much more than what we are expected of. Now the question is, does God set limits? Does God give us boundaries? All through the scriptures you will find this. God gives us do's and don'ts. Particularly if I can give you the example of people of Israel coming out of Egypt. When they came in, they were runaway slaves. They didn't know how to live a social life. So God had to give them principles in the form of law. And he gave them very categorically saying what they ought to do. If you divide the law, the Pentateuch, the book, uh, Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and so forth, you will find you can divide it as three. One was the moral laws, the Ten Commandments. The other was ceremonial law how they needed to worship God and how they needed to do. And there were the civil laws. And civil laws primarily gave them how they needed to live their lives in a society, how they needed to mark a boundary of their own land, how they needed to not let others infringe. If somebody else infringed into their boundary, what they needed to do, etc., etc., we find in the book of law. So God 
clearly gives us the law, saying what we ought to do and what we don't have to do. So we need to, as parents, learn to teach our children where their boundary ends and where others' boundaries start. And if they don't know that, imagine this. Your children are constantly watering your neighbor's garden and not yours. Physically, it is understandable. As we go along, we will know this. And what happens? Our kids grow with a belief within them. Because we don't teach them boundaries, if they grow up like this. I quote Henry Cloud, who writes Boundaries with Kids, the book. He says, what gratifies me is good, and what frustrates me is bad. Don't our kids grow up with this? What gratifies me is good. What frustrates me is bad. Anything to do with hard work? No, not me. Anything that is, gives me the quick pleasure, yes, that's a good thing. So they grow up almost thinking, when I feel good, it must be good. When I feel it is hard for me, it must be bad. And we tend to play along like this. And we need to understand as, as parents that children are not born into this world understanding what the boundaries are. It is up to us as parents to teach them what those boundaries are what those limits are, what they can do, how can they behave, how they cannot behave. In fact, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15 says this, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. They're not born wise. They don't know how to make choice. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, and he gives a command there, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. And that's why parents are there to discipline our children so that they learn to drive away the folly which they are grown with. And I'm amazed how many homes you go, who determines what needs to be done? The parents will tell, what to do this little one wants. Who's this little one? Folly is bound in her heart. And you're telling her, she will determine what the family will do. So we need to also draw that boundary to say, how do we go? Now, what is a boundary? Boundary is like, if to just understand, it's like a property line, right? It's like that. In the same way, our children also have a boundary for their emotions, boundary for where they can take responsibility, boundary for how they live their lives, boundaries for how they behave, boundaries for their attitude, everything. So how do we teach them these boundaries so that they can take responsibility? You know, many years back, we met this young Tiara. Tiara was just four years old, and she was the third child of the parents. And Tiara knew how to control her parents. She was just four. How many of you know that, what that means? Don't say amen. <laughs> Tiara knew how to control her parents. When her siblings who were older than her were playing, she needed those toys, she got the toys. When they watched TV, everyone watched what Tiara wanted to watch. When they had to order food, she would always want what the siblings have ordered already, and she would get it. And you know what the mother would say? It's okay, yeah, give it off. And she'll teach the elder sibling, after all, you're older, no, you give it off to the younger one. And they will continue. Now, just project Tiara's life, time travel to 25 years later. How will Tiara be behaving? If she does not get what she wants, what doesn't gratify her, she will throw tantrums. You've seen adults throwing tantrums? We do, we do. I've seen that in my office. Colleagues who come in and you don't give them an increment this year. 
gone case. They throw tantrums. They threaten you. They do every kind of thing, right? We adults learn to throw tantrums. Husband doesn't choose to go out on that evening because he is tired. The wife throws tantrums. Immediately she says, you don't love me. Why? Because as a Tiara, a four-year-old, she learned, love means you give me what I want. And we as parents don't tell them, love means when I discipline you. Love means when I teach you the boundaries. Love means that I take care of you because folly is bound in your heart. And I will use the rod to drive it far away. Amen? There are many tiaras that we have. And these tiaras grow as what the psychologists called as egocentric children. What is an egocentric children? Egocentric children think the world revolves around them. They can't think of anyone else. Every decision is made, whether I feel good or I don't feel good. They don't care about the consequences for others. That is why when Tiara snatches away the toys, she's not thinking of how my brother or sister will feel. When she is switching on the TV and wants to watch only what she wants, she's not thinking of what my parents would want. So we need to learn to teach the Tiaras how they need to learn to grow up, to draw the boundaries. And now I must say this, there are many adults here also who are like Tiaras. And we need to learn. As pastor, you will know, and Pastor Benjamin will know, when they come to pastors, you can see the Tiaras throwing their tantrums around. Pastor, you didn't visit me, so I won't come to church. That's a tiara. I won't take responsibility for why I am not coming. I blame it off on someone else. Right? I am feeling sick. I blame the church because you're not praying good enough for me. <laughs> These are the adult tiaras that are there. So the question that you need to ask yourself as an adult is, have you learned to draw boundaries for yourself first on how we go? And how we deal with our children. I'll take one example from the Bible of King David in 1 Kings chapter five, chapter 1, verse 5 to 6. David is sick now. He's old and he knows he needs to give a successor in his kingdom. He doesn't do anything about it. And this is what the Bible says. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself. Adonijah was one of the sons of David from one of his wives, Haggith. Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots, horsemen, and 50 men to run before him. Listen to what verse 6 says. And his father, that is David, and his father had not rebuked him at any time by saying, why have you done so? He was also very good looking. His mother had been born after Absalom. Most of us know Absalom's story, don't we? How he rebelled against his own father. Why? The reason lies in this verse. Because David, when they were children, when they were growing up, he refused to tell them, these are the limits, my son. If you need to choose something, you got to talk with me as a father. If you need to take over the throne, you need to discuss with others to see whether I have nominated you or not. Now, when he let him choose the gifts that he wanted, the toys that he wanted, the TV channels he wanted, what David was telling him is, a day will come when you want to choose the throne, you choose it by yourself. I will not be there. And the same thing happens when David is not able to reprimand the children as they are growing. How do we then, when, when we, we as kids, no, we as adults know that our children don't maintain boundaries, don't maintain limits? 
I'll just give you a few. One is inability to say no to hurtful people. Have you noticed some people who can invite hurtful people into their lives constantly? They get married to the one who abuses them. They divorce and they get married to another who abuses them. They're constantly relating with others who hurt them. It's because they have not learned to draw the boundary saying, if you hurt me, you jolly well not be part of my life. As a child, if the child learns saying, I need my self-respect, I'm created in the image of God. You can't abuse me, you can't call me name. If they have learned to grow that way, they will learn to maintain boundaries. Second, inability to hear no from others. Have you, have you had teens tell you, when you tell them you're not going out for a sleepover, they turn to you and say, I hate you. If they have not said, don't be too glad. They've thought of it in their mind. <laughs> for them, because you say no, it means you don't love me. Immediately the thing. You don't give them a, a, let's say you're giving them a consequence of what wrong they did. You don't give them some money or don't let them watch TV or don't go visit your friend. What do they say? It's not fair. It's not fair. Very common words, isn't it, in home? It's not fair. You don't love me. You're always caring for someone else. They can never take a no in their lives. And we've seen many couples as we counsel them where one of the spouses cannot say no, cannot take a no, yes? But there are many who cannot say a no also. Why does that come? Because we've not learned to draw boundaries. Inability to delay gratification. I want something and I want it now. We can't delay it. You know, and our parents, some parents also encourage that. And taking responsibility for other people's lives. Now, this is also, I think, Pastor Victor teaches this in the school. As a child, he or she is not responsible for what happens to others. And we as parents shouldn't induce guilt into them when something goes wrong with the younger sibling. We constantly remind Irene, she is not responsible for Ezekiel. We as parents are responsible for Ezekiel. She is not the one to give, the, give Ezekiel the moral codes. It is we as parents who will do that. We tell her, you enjoy your childhood. You don't have to care for Ezekiel. We are there to care. So taking responsibility for other people. If you thump responsibility of your neighbor's children, sister's children, brother's children, on your sibling, beware. You're teaching them how to learn to live without boundaries. Struggles with intimacy. Children who can't take a no cannot enjoy deep friendships, relationships. And this shows up later on in their life when they can't relate well with a colleague, they can't relate well with the boss, they can't relate well with the spouse, they can't relate well with anybody. They can relate at a surface level, yes. But you get deeper, no. Because in deep relationship, you have to learn to agree to disagree, right? You have to learn. Thomas and me don't agree on many things, but we agree to disagree, but we still love each other. A child who does not learn to say no goes through this. I just want to share some boundaries that we have in our own home. Not to be prideful, some things that we've tried. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work, and we are learning. Number one is digital boundary. We do not let our kids watch TV every day. No, not even on the mobile, not on the laptop, not on the television. One movie or one serial a week, period. Because we say we need to learn to relate with one another, not just sit in front of, what do they call it? The IDIOT box. 
No mobile in the bedroom for kids, not even to use as an alarm. That's why we bought them this 150 rupees alarm, which is there, the old classical one. That also rings, do you know that? And it rings louder. No watching TV during mealtime. No watching anything on screen. No screen time and mealtime together. Mealtime is family time. Mealtime is talking time. Mealtime is getting to catch up with each other. It's not screen time. And if you are giving screen, what do they call this? I don't know. Not IDIOT box, but smaller box. You give your child because it's easier for you to feed. You're teaching the child, I need something else as a crutch in order for me to do what you're telling me to do. That means my obedience is dependent on something else. So please don't let your children watch something while they're eating. What about eating boundaries? We teach children to eat for the health and not for the sight. They're not on a seafood diet. Whatever they see, they eat. And this can happen to our children, particularly in growing years when they hit the teen hormone sprouts, etc., the growth sprout. They, they want to eat a lot. Yes, they can eat a lot, but healthy food. Choose no junk food. We have boundaries like that. And with regard to people, no matter who comes home, whether they are rich, whether they are poor, whether they are young, whether they are old, whether they are relatives or not relatives, we need to show respect to them. Boundary. If we are watching a movie, somebody comes to visit us, the TV has to go off, period. That's a boundary. Because people, we are teaching our children, people are more important. In relationship, learning to respect the other person, a boundary. Siblings rivalry, how many of you know that? You know that, right? Sometimes you turn from a parent to a judge. Isn't it? Siblings rivalry happens. We've told our children, you can get angry, yes, but you cannot hit one another. You cannot hit one another. You cannot be physical. Use words. Talk about what the problem is. No using of slang. No using of bad words at home. Not even words like S-H-I-T. When they do that, I ask them, why do you take the dirty thing in your mouth? Okay, I stop short of killing them to wash their mouth with uh, soap. And speak respectfully even when you're angry. It's a boundary. Respectfully even when you're upset. Now, I'm running short of time. I just covered first point of boundaries. Okay. <clears throat> but let's go on. I'll quickly skim through. What are some things that we can teach our children on boundaries? You know, there are many things. When it comes to boundaries, or it leads, when we teach our children boundaries, it automatically leads them to take higher responsibility for their lives. Now, when I say responsibility, sometimes it's easier to teach them responsibilities in the physical. Put your shoes back. Put your toys back, etc., like someone wrote this poem which says, responsibility means I can do things on my own. And children even two years old can do things on their own. Please teach them that. Don't wait until they become teenagers. It's too late. When I turn it on, I turn it off. When I unlock something, I lock it up. When I drop something, I pick it up. When I break something, I repair it. When I spill some juice, I clean it. When I open something, I close it. When I make a mess, I clean it up. When I make a promise, I keep my promise. When I find something, I return it. These are responsibilities which we can teach. When I borrow something, I give it back. When I take it out, 
I put it back. When I'm assigned a task, I complete it on time. When I earn money, I learn to use it responsibly. So we give pocket money to our children so that they learn to use it responsibly and teaching them finances. But what is this thing called responsibility? Responsibility is teaching children to take ownership of their own lives. Ownership for themselves, ownership for others. When I say ownership for others, I'm not taking the take responsibility for others. Ownership for their attitude towards others. Ownership for their attitude towards God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says this. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now this judgment seat of Jesus Christ is to reward us. And the Bible says that Christ will hold us responsible during that time for everything that we do. And you know what? The word everything in Hebrew means everything. He is going to hold us responsible. In fact, I like this verse, Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, which I was taught as a young believer. It says this, but I tell you that everyone will have, a, have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Can you imagine the responsibility that God expects from us? Every word that you speak, you have to stand and give us an account for that. What about our children? They have to give an account. So should we draw boundaries on the way they speak? Absolutely. We can't let them use any words when they're angry. Let them use any words when they want to. And you ought to be careful how you use words when somebody cuts you in traffic. If you don't draw boundaries, your children will not draw boundaries. If you use those words which are forbidden, how many of you in your house say, oh my God? And then say, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. You teach them thou shalt not and you use it regularly. Oh my God, Jesus has an exclamation, full stop. Then children will learn to do the same. We shall give an account of what we are doing. I'll just cover, I wanted to cover three things. Responsibility for emotions, responsibility for attitudes, and responsibility for behavior. But I'll just cover one thing on responsibility for emotions and attitudes and behavior we'll cover another time, okay? But if you want, I'll suggest some books that you can read which will also help you, which has helped us. You know, Amanda was at the end of her wits. She had an 11-year-old, a preteen. And you know, when a preteen gets mad, it's a scary thing at home. Isn't it? Because their hormones are running all over and they're doing all kinds of things as a preteen. And... Uh, this Mark, Amanda's son Mark, he would yell. He would stomp the feet. He will slam the door. He will break things. And Amanda all through thought, where else will my poor son express his emotions? Let him express it at home. And she would sit and you know, watch him do all these. Until a time came that he continued to grow, to stomp and to scream and to slam and to throw things around. One of her friends noticed this and said, do you know, Amanda, you're raising up a man who's going to become a man with the rage as a problem. Rage as a problem. That's when it dawned on Amanda saying there's something wrong. Mark's behavior is not unusual, isn't it? Don't we have kids at our home who do that? Slam and scream and shout and throw and stomp and break when they get angry? Yes or no? 
All of us have. But when they do that, they need to be disciplined. They need to be told, yes, you can have your emotions, but you need to learn to express it in a healthy way. And how do we do that? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, be angry, but do not sin. Anger is an emotion. Yes, you express your anger, but you don't have to do it in sinful ways. We have a rule in our house. No slamming door, no matter how angry you are. No calling names, no matter how angry you are. You want to talk about it? Let's talk. If you can't talk about it with each other, first talk with us. We'll resolve it. Then you talk to your brother or your sister. It's a normal thing for children to get angry, but we need to teach them how they need to express their emotions in a controllable manner rather than in an uncontrollable manner. And when does this begin? This begins from the time they're toddlers. Don't wait. You know, some parents keep telling themselves, when he grows bigger, he will learn. When he grows bigger, she will learn. And they're growing bigger and bigger and bigger. And you know, for a parent, a child never grows old. My brother is about 53. My mother still manages him as if he was a toddler, asking him. My mother will still ask me if I ate, if Rupa gave me milk. For parents, children never grow, but realize children are growing. And the things they're exposed to outside of the home is much more. What happens to the Bollywood and Hollywood movies you show and the games they play? How is the expression of anger? Punch, shout, kick, break. So what do they do after watching it at home? Shout, punch, kick, break. So who's teaching them emotional control? Hollywood and Bollywood. That is parenting delegated. But we need to, as parents, take responsibility. We have a boundary even for what we watch or what our kids read. Not that we are trying to be controlling parents. Because we know there's so much bombardment of the negative from the world, we need to learn to teach them what they read. So when now Irene is reading a book and there are content in that that is not okay, she knows how to throw it away and not read it anymore. We're still teaching Ezekiel to do that. But I'm saying we need to teach them. Many, very often, Rupa and me read the book even before they read, when they were younger. And that calls for time, that calls for effort. But we need to learn to teach our children to make their choices when they have to express their emotions. We need to give them those boundaries. You know, whenever Ezekiel gets angry, when children, our children get angry, they used to express it in a certain way. Yes, we all love them. Please note this. Don't deny their emotions. When he tells, I'm feeling sad, don't tell him, no, 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 you're not supposed to feel sad. The joy of the Lord is upon us. Become so spiritual. He is feeling sad. Acknowledge he's feeling sad. He's angry. Acknowledge he or she is angry. Acknowledge the frustration that they're going through. Talk about it with them and tell them, you can be frustrated. I am with you. I understand that you're feeling frustrated because your friend did not talk to you. Instead, he called you names. But then teach them how should he draw boundary in relationship to those who call names. How should he draw boundaries and not let the others infringe into his own life. Do children tend to stretch boundaries? Very much. Children are constantly checking. You tell them don't cross that, they're checking. Little bit 
and look at mama, look at dada. Right? From the time they're very small, they keep stretching that. And we need to be consistent in telling them this is not acceptable behavior in our home. We can't let them do it once and let them not do it another time. Then it confuses them. In fact, they said the most stressful thing for a child is to have a parent who doesn't tell them what to do and what not to do. It's the most stressful thing. And some parents think I'm giving the child a freedom. It's not freedom. You give them freedom when they grow up. Maybe 15, 16, 18. You teach them to make choices as the age appropriate. But there are many things and most things in life that they cannot make a choice for when they are small. And you as an adult, I want to ask you a question. How is your emotional expression? Is there an outburst, a volcanic effect of, that happens every now and then in your own lives? Have you drawn boundaries in the way you express in your home? If you not learned to do that, then obviously the children will follow what you do. What we do, rather. So we need to control. So may I encourage you to talk to your children. Talk to your children and ask them and teach them what healthy boundaries are when it comes to expressing emotions. Teach them what is healthy boundary when it comes to their frustration, anger, excitement, and joy. And you can watch this when you play games as a family. When you play games, when one of them is losing, they feel like thumping. We need to tell, I know you're sad you lost it, buddy, but you got to learn not to thump the table. It's a game. We got to learn to enjoy. So after some time, yes, they're passionate about the game, but they know how to express it effectively. I will skip the rest of it. I will just go to conclusion in which we say, the Bible teaches us constantly that for actions that we do, there are consequences. What, what you sow is what you reap, correct? So when our children stretch the boundary and do what you agreed together saying he or she will not do, there has to be a consequence. For example, when Ezekiel disobeys, he gets a consequence of maybe not riding his bicycle because that's what he loves to do for a week. Or maybe they, they talk too much about movie through the week. They're thinking only about movie. That Friday, no movie. We say you're not living for the movie. We are going to talk about other things. Movie happens. After the movie, we sit and talk. The next day we talk about the movie is okay, but not be obsessed by movie. Then we say no. There are consequences. So we need to learn to give them consequences as age appropriate. Even when the tiny, what do they call tiny stars? Even at that age, when they don't obey, there has to be one tap on their hand so that they know if I stretch the boundary, there is a consequence. It's not about how hard you hit. It's just to teach them there's a consequence. When they become teenagers, then they know if I stretch, there is a consequence. They'll think before they make the choice. Please teach them. And in all this, modeling is the most important thing. When you determine a consequence, it has to be determined on whether it works or not. Some consequences don't work. I remember when uh, uh, Rupa told Ezekiel, go stand in the corner. He thought, wow, I'm going to enjoy my time there. And he started scribbling on the thing and he started playing for himself. Some consequences don't work. So you got to learn to adapt as per what the child is. Some children love some consequences that you give them. Some children don't. So you need to learn to adapt. But one important thing that I want us to learn and to understand is that we need to be consistent in the consequences. And bring clarity. When a child does something, and if you have not 
told the child not to do, don't spank the child because the child does not know. I found often parents will tell the, tell the child what not to do after the child has done it. Can we be a little proactive as parents and teach them beforehand and punish them only when we have agreed together on what the consequences are? Amen? All of you looking at me like, <laughs> this is not minor prophets, no fiery preaching. But I just wanted to bring this practical thing before us because I find many of us are adults struggle with boundaries and limits and responsibilities. I know of people, when anything goes wrong in the world, they take the responsibility on themselves. You know, I, I, I heard a 35-year-old man, his pastor had an adultery relationship. So he's like, you know, I'm responsible, brother. I said, why, man, what happened to you? He said, because I failed to pray. He's taking responsibility on himself for everything, whatever happens. You know, they're called junk collectors. Anything goes wrong, they want it with them. So don't let your children do that. Help them, saying, you are not responsible for certain things. You are responsible for only these things. Learn to enjoy your childhood. Give them that emotional boundaries, attitude boundaries, behavior boundaries, and let them grow in an enjoyable way. Amen? Why not we all pray for our children and grandchildren? But before I conclude and we pray, I have one request to the grandparents. The one boundary that you can draw. And that boundary is, you had your chance for 26 years, 28 years, 30 years to parent your child. Now leave the parenting to your children. Don't interfere when your son or daughter is correcting the child. When the son says no to ice cream, and you're saying, what is that? As if you grew without ice cream. Give him no. Gone. You've taken away the parental authority of the father or the mother. You're taking it away. As grandparents, you know what you need to do? Like Nike says, just do it. I said, just pray. Just pray for yourself and for your grandchild. Don't interfere in parenting. So shall we pray for our children now?